It was a piece of advice that traditionally came from our mothers. Don't talk to strangers. Good advice maybe for kids, but problematic when it comes to building a network and, surprisingly enough, making us happy. In this podcast, we explore the benefits of those brief, impromptu conversations with people that we hardly know at all, and how to go about building a connection with someone in seconds. My name is Andrew Thorpe. Welcome to Leaning Forward. Remember those days of uh, forced isolation during the pandemic? And I'm sure I wasn't the only one to feel pretty low during those dark days. And I know many people had it a lot worse than I did. But as well as missing my family and close friends, I also missed the kind of human contact that comes from just walking down the road or popping into the local cafe or sitting next to someone on a train or a plane. I've always loved these unplanned chats with people that I don't know. And I really like these tiny interactions, much to the consternation of my kids, who invariably ask me, Dad, why did you talk to that person? I don't know. I just enjoy it. It brings something fresh to my life. There's a there's a novelty to it. And if you're self-employed, you are in the business of building a network, so it's kind of essential anyway. I did some work in Helsinki in 2019, and I remember sitting in a cafe and overhearing someone on a nearby table um, with an accent that was from my part of the UK. Now, this chap was with a young woman, and when she got up to leave, I leant across and said something like, um, it's nice to hear a familiar accent from back home. We got chatting, and he came to sit with me. And he explained that he was in Helsinki because his girlfriend was going for a job interview that very morning. We found a lot of common ground, and it was a thoroughly enjoyable 20 minutes. Well, at least it was for me. After he left, I ordered another coffee from the counter and the young woman serving me said, you know, Finnish people would never do what you just did. According to her, engaging with strangers is, for the Finns, right up there with public speaking as something to be avoided at all costs. But I really think it's worth the effort. In fact, I'm going to suggest a few good reasons to overcome whatever fears you might have about this and start a conversation. For a start, it's a great way to build up your story library. It broadens the range of our experiences without having to to buy those experiences, you know, like a holiday or an expensive seat at a concert. It's where we generate, shall we say, micro-material to share with our friends. You know, a funny thing happened in the supermarket this morning. It's also likely to create new opportunities. I remember 
reading Malcolm Gladwell's book um, a few years ago, The Tipping Point. And he mentioned some research by an academic called Mark Granovetter. And apparently he came up with this concept of weak ties. People you might recognise by name, and maybe they know your name as well, but the relationship is no closer than that. And according to Granovetter, these people can be very useful because they don't move in the circles you and your friends do. And therefore, they're likely to come across um, intel and opportunities that you wouldn't normally find. And perhaps there's also something about a stranger that seems safer in a way than someone who's in your circle. And what I mean by that is it seems safer to confide in someone who you'll probably never meet again. You might lament something about life or relationships that that chimes with them, and it's unlikely to have consequences because they've got no ties with you at all. They're like a, a neutral observer. And for me, it's just plain fun to have these small, random encounters. And I realise not everyone may feel this way, but there's there's a growing body of evidence that these brief conversations with strangers actually make us happier as human beings. And some of the best evidence to support this comes from an academic based at the University of Sussex called Gillian Sandstrom. And I came across her the other day um, by listening to one of my favourite podcasts. It's called Hidden Brain. It's a series um, hosted by a journalist called Shankar Vedantam um, that explores the, the very rich world of human psychology, you know, what drives us to do what we do. And I had to smile when she described her father, a man who found joy in these little daily interactions, um, but in stark contrast to his daughter, whose idea of fun was to be, uh, in her own words, marooned on a desert island with nothing but a library for company. And what's really fascinating about Sandstrom is how she's evolved into a huge advocate for engaging with strangers. She's encouraged her students to do it, She's written books and papers on the topic. She even runs a workshop to help people overcome their anxiety about it and develop some techniques for making it easier. It seems that many people start with a negative attitude towards these interactions. They worry that something's going to go wrong, that they'll be rejected. And in the vast majority of cases, these concerns are completely ill-founded. And I learned from Gillian's interview about a concept called the liking gap. And that describes how we tend to underestimate how much the other person actually does enjoy the conversation, enjoys our company. And I like the way she breaks up the talking to strangers process into three stages, each with their own challenges. There's the, there's the getting started. You know, how do I start a conversation with someone I don't know? There's the maintaining the flow. You know, once it's begun, how do we keep it going? And then there's the ending. You know, how do we stop the conversation uh, without it seeming awkward or being rude? 
Now, if you've met someone at a party or a business event, you will recognise these stages and, you know, perhaps some of the anxieties around them. During her interview with Shankar Vedantam, she offers some, I think, very sage advice about how to approach this. And it got me thinking about the strategies and the techniques that I've used over the years in these situations. And when it comes to getting started, I think you've got to choose your moment. You've got to read the situation. If the person opposite you on the train has just put on their headphones or they look like they're in a terrible mood, it might not be the right time to breezily say hi. But if you can see a potential trigger for a conversation and they appear to be in, shall we say, a neutral state, then go for it. I found myself on a train in the Netherlands the other week and a young man came to sit opposite me and pulled a book out from his bag And I could see the title. It was called Surrounded by Idiots by Thomas Erickson. And it's a terrific book about personality types. And I know this because I've read it. And of course, being the type of person um, like Gillian's father, (laughs) I can't hold back. I told him so. I told him that, oh, I've read that book. And fortunately, we hit it off. We got on really, really well. He was really interested in developing himself. Um, as a professional, and we chatted back and forth for pretty much the whole trip, um, and it made it fly by. Really, that's one of the other benefits of this, by the way, is it makes time go quickly when you're on some kind of flight or journey. He asked to connect with me on LinkedIn, and um, a few days later, he followed up with a request for some more recommendations on other books. So, I think getting started is is very much about choosing your moment and then finding something easy and non-threatening that might produce um, a positive response. And a simple one is just simply to ask for some advice. Because in the days before Google Maps and GPS, it was commonplace to ask directions of someone if you were a bit lost. You're showing a degree of vulnerability in these situations. And I think people are normally very happy to help. They actually feel useful. And that probably makes them happy too. It's really helpful if you could establish some kind of connection with the other person, something you have in common. And of course, the thing you do have in common is that you're sharing the same space. So maybe pick up on some aspect of the environment or the situation that you're both in. You know, the temperature, the view, the weather, the weird thing that's happening over there, anything. And if you do this with warmth and openness, it's very unlikely that you'll get brushed off. But even if you do, it's not the end of the world. Mind you, at the risk of negating my whole position here, I must just share with you one potentially catastrophic encounter that I had once with a celebrity, but please don't let it put you off. I was sitting in Starbucks in Manchester, and in walked the comedian Jimmy Carr. Now, I'm not a huge fan of his, but my youngest son is, so when I texted him to say, you'll never guess who's walked into Starbucks, he insisted that I should go up and say hello. 
but I had to work out my strategy. How how should I approach a celebrity while he's um, you know quietly supping his latte? And then an idea came to me. The night before, I'd watched a TV documentary about humour, and it was hosted by Jimmy Carr. So that was it. That was my opening gambit. So I tried it. I sidled up to him. I pretended to be on the way out. And I opened with a, you know, a sorry to bother you. And then I mentioned that I'd watched and enjoyed the programme that he'd hosted. And his face lit up. He was genuinely pleased. And he asked me about my work, which was lovely. All good so far. But then a horrible thought dawned on me. I'd only watched the first 10 minutes of the programme before switching over to something else. So what if he asks me about the bit that I'd missed? What did you think of the end, Andrew? Or what about that bit with the war, Russ? Hmm. Fortunately, I did get away with it, and I managed to, um, shall we say, withdraw gracefully. But as I say, please don't let that put you off. We're going to take a quick break now to hear from a fellow storyteller and a podcaster, Stefano Capiccioni. He's a wizard with words, a collector of tales, and I would thoroughly recommend his show, Storytelling with Puck. Here he is to tell you more. The story I'll, I'll read for you. The once with three little girls. This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation. Dreams, emotions, empathy, connection, stories, storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. Thanks, Stefano. And now back to our theme. We've looked at how to get a conversation started, but what about the next stage? How do you keep it going and avoid those awkward silences? Again, I think you're trying to find common ground, and this is where your story library comes in useful. Perhaps you can relate to what the other person said um, with a, um, oh, I know what you mean. That could be the precursor to a, to sharing a story of a similar experience. But be careful. Be careful that you don't indulge in what might be called conversational theft or hijacking. Stealing the focus from your partner and annoying the hell out of them. I run lots of storytelling workshops and, and I always like to include a section on what I call story listening. That's very much about appreciative and empathetic listening. When you're you're making the other person feel good about what they're saying, they'll usually warm to you. And it takes the pressure off you to keep saying interesting things all the time. It's kind of a double whammy. And you won't be shocked to hear me say that being interested and fully present when the other person's speaking is really important here. But what if you're really not into the topic that's being discussed? Do you have to fake it? 
Well, this happened once in a workshop many years ago where I paired the delegates up. Uh, They were actually colleagues, but I paired them up and asked them to pretend that they just met the other person at a networking event. They had to strike up and maintain a conversation. And for one pair, this proved really difficult because one of them revealed that they were into golf, which would have been a gift for me being of a, of, of a golfing background. But the other, the, the other person, it was clearly problematic. They were clearly not into golf. So soon enough, the conversation ground to a halt and it all ended a bit awkwardly. I think in this situation, there's a simple strategy that you can use. You don't have to pretend to be into golf when you're not, but instead you can be interested in why people are interested in golf. That's a different thing. I know people who are crazy about golf. They can't get enough of it, but I'm, I'm really not sure what the appeal is. What is it about golf that gets people hooked? That's like you're, you're taking a, a neutral position of curiosity. You're a bit like a scientist or a journalist. Oh, and one more thing. These types of conversations are really not the time to get into debates and alternative viewpoints. Keep it good hearted. Keep it positive. You won't make any friends by being a contrarian. But what about that third and final stage, ending the conversation? My friend Will Kintish, the networking guru, we used to call him. He used to place his tongue firmly in his cheek when giving this advice. When you want to get rid of someone, introduce them to someone else and then walk away. And the funny thing is that can work perfectly well, provided you do it politely and with confidence. People are usually happy to go with what you suggest if you say it nicely. And let's face it, all conversations come to a natural conclusion, so it can be a relief for both parties. Now, as I said, Mr Kintish is well known as a networking expert, so this advice really applies to situations where you're mobile and you're able to change location to walk around. It's not so easy if you find yourself um, in a Steve Martin situation um, in planes, trains and automobiles. If you've seen the film Stuck Next to John Candy as the world's most annoying salesman. So thank goodness for headphones. So I guess if you were to consider all three stages and come up with a single piece of advice that applies throughout, I would say that it will be to read the situation and the person. That's your guiding light. And this gets better with experience. You begin to see patterns of behaviour, things that work well and things that don't. There's one other aspect to this that's worth mentioning, and that's the problem of loneliness. We live in an incredibly noisy, transactional and fast-moving world where face-to-face conversations get replaced by digital ones. And it's especially difficult for older people who are so often overlooked in society, despite the experience and the wisdom that they possess. But thanks to people like Gillian Sandstrom, 
we know that these brief interactions with people make us happier. But you might actually be making someone else's day too by simply asking them something and finding a bit of common ground. With this in mind, I want to give a mention to a wonderful initiative called the House of Books and Friends. It's located quite near to me in Manchester in northwest England, and according to their website, it's a purpose-led independent bookshop, cafe and event space with an important mission to combat loneliness in the community. The idea um, for the bookshop came from a very innovative thinker in the field of corporate law. His name is Daryl Cook. And the story goes that Daryl was struck by the lack of connection that was created by the COVID lockdown and all the, you know, the wider practical and psychological impacts that that had on people. You may recall that reading became something of a tonic for many of us during those dark days. And I really like the idea of a, a purposeful bookstore because it makes reading more of a shared experience. And they encourage browsing there, but also chatting over a coffee. And there's a really nice space behind the shop floor, which is perfect for events. I would really love to run some physical events there on topics like conversation and storytelling. I hope this episode has given you some added motivation to engage with some strangers in 2023. And I'm recording this on the very first day of that new year. And I know this theme goes against what our mothers told us when we were little. But if you choose your moment and you read the situation and you come across as open and friendly, you might be surprised and delighted by the outcome. So that's all for now from Leaning Forward. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and do check out my good friend Stefano Capiccioni and his show Storytelling with Puck. You can find it where you normally listen to your podcasts or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with puck podcast. See you next time.